thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. This is Carol Ann Schroeder, and today I will be reading from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Carol Ann, thank you for reading the scripture today. Thank you so much for doing that. So last week we started a new series, Olympic Faith, where we're looking at uh, some, uh, some of the sports events that come up in the Olympics and ways that that kind of gives us a glimpse into some new insight in terms of our faith. And so last week we talked about the medal stand. You know, we began with the end in mind. Everybody wants to get to the medal stand. But today we're going to talk about you can't go to the games without the hard work. There's a whole lot that goes into being able to get there, much less get to the medal stand. Now, many, many folks in our church uh, have, have been, are athletes, uh, some on a competitive level, certainly. Still, we have people in marathons, triathlons, some of our young people are playing soccer, baseball, running track, various things. So, so, so many of us are familiar with the notion of an athlete and training and all those kinds of things, but, but there's, uh, my guess is none of us have really uh, gone through the training of like an Olympic athlete. I googled several several uh, uh, events. You know, what would a what would a day in the life of a you know so and so be like? And generally, they all have the same kind of routine, which is they start uh, after they get up. They'll have a workout starting eight or eight thirty in the morning. That goes until almost noon, and then they have they they stop and they they clean up and they have lunch and they do things you got to do in life. You got to go to the grocery store. You return emails. You whatever. And then around 4 o'clock, then it's time to get started for the next workout. They work out for about another four hours after that. And then they have uh, their uh, recovery stuff. They have massage and ice baths and things like that that they do. And then they eat dinner around 9 o'clock and go to bed. And the next day, do it again. Every day. Sometimes for years to be able to get to that competitive level where they could actually go to the Olympics. And they do all that in some instances, for a race that will last a few seconds, maybe a few minutes. Now, some of them, of course, play team sports like basketball or soccer, and they're going to have a lot of, of games and matches. But, but even still, when you've worked that long and that hard just to get there, the thing is to be to train to be that kind of athlete, it takes an enormous amount of endurance, an enormous amount of endurance to stick with it, because there's a lot of times you don't feel like getting up that early that morning to go do something. You don't feel like running that day. You don't feel like lifting. You don't, but you do it anyway. You endure and keep at it. So endurance is one of those words that, well, I'm, I'm a nerd on lots of different levels. And one of those levels is I like to look up words to find out their origin. Where did that come from? 
And what did it mean originally? And is it different now? And why would it be different? And so you look up the word endurance. No, it pretty much means endurance. I mean, it's one of those things that it's not, there's not some you know, long story to the development of that word. It's what we all think of as endurance. That you just keep going. That things get hard. Things are difficult. And you don't stop. You just keep moving forward. You hang in there. That's endurance. Well, this is the message to those who received the letter to the Hebrews that Carol Ann read from just a little bit ago. To endure. All through the letter, he talks about the struggles that they're having, and so here are the things that to endure in your faith. So it's not about enduring as, uh, as an athlete, but enduring in, as your, in your faith. How do you hang in there when things get tough? How do you hang in there when you have questions? Not give up on your faith in God. But the letter to the Hebrews is, is interesting on uh, what's well, on lots of levels. I mean, it's a great, it's a great letter. There's a lot of really helpful things to read in there. But there's a lot of things we don't know about it. So it's titled, The Letter to the Hebrews. Which Hebrews? We, we don't know. I mean, obviously it's an ancient thing, but I mean, you assume probably these are Jewish Christians somewhere. But they don't know really where, and, and don't know who wrote it. Now, like so many things, uh, Paul gets ascribed as the writer of Hebrews. You know, if, if when there's doubt, somebody wants to say, Paul wrote it. Well, there's really no indication of that. There's no indication at all of that. So we don't know who wrote it. We don't know when it was written. You know, we don't know what the situation was. What was the context? Don't know. So it's this really interesting letter that, unlike most everything else in the Bible, where we kind of have a good idea who wrote it, what was going on, why, the timing, not with Hebrews. And so we don't even know really what their, struggle, their specific struggles were. There's just this description. We know you're going through struggles, you're going through difficult times, but what were they exactly? And that's very different from Paul, see. With Paul, he says, I know you're going through this thing. And so let me address that. We don't really know what the struggles are. We do know that the call is to hang in there, to persevere, to endure, and follow the example of Jesus. That's what the Scripture said today. Follow the example of Jesus. But not just the Jesus of doctrine and theology, the Christ, the Son of God. No, the example of the earthly Jesus, a historical Jesus, who, yes, endured uh, tremendous suffering, endured rejection, endured the cross, it says. So follow that example. It said that Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. Scorning, what does that mean exactly? Well, other translations say disregarding its shame ignoring its shame. And that's important to note because the, the cross by the Roman Empire was, was not simply a method of execution. They had far more efficient ways to carry out execution. The thing is, is that the cross was intended to be shameful. That was the whole point of a cross. If you did something that, that was against the emperor, if it embarrassed the Roman authorities, you're going to go on a cross to shame you. So if you, you've probably seen uh, uh, pictures of early colonial America and somebody would do something and they would be put in a, 
uh, in stocks, right? It'd be these wooden things, and their head is kind of through here, and their arms, and they're, and they're chained and shackled there. Well, you see, the punishment was not simply to restrict movement, because that person would be on display at the public square. The point was shame. So one way you might think about that is we're going to try to control somebody else's behavior by shaming them. Still happens, doesn't it? Happens in some families sometimes. Control what a person says or thinks or does by shaming them. So Jesus even not only endured the physical difficulty of the cross, he also went, looked beyond the shame that was attached to it. Thought, that's, that's just part of the gig here. The shame's going to come with it. I'm going to ignore that and do what I know is the right thing. That is the example of Jesus that the Hebrews and we are encouraged to follow. So, so okay, so let's just think about the example of Jesus just a little bit more. I mean, I think one of the things we need to note is Jesus had accountability. Part of his example is the accountability. Because it's clear throughout uh, the, the Gospels that Jesus operated on the basis of what the Scripture had taught. Now, for him, the Scripture would be like our Old Testament, right? The Hebrew Bible. That was the Scripture, but he understood that what he was to be about was fulfilling the Scripture. He wasn't there to write a new book. He was there to complete and fulfill what had already been written. So to him, Scripture is his accountability. That's the framework in which he had to operate. But he also was not on his own. Jesus did not go it alone. He gathered people around him. Needed, needed the conversation, needed some support, but he also needed to teach people what it meant to live by his example so that they could go out and teach other people how to live by his example. So Jesus didn't go it alone. He surrounded himself with a, a team, you might say. Well, since we don't really know what the struggles were with those uh, ancient Hebrews to, which, to whom this letter was written, we kind of are invited to think, well, what are some of the ways we struggle with our faith today? And how might this scripture connect with us. So I think, one of those, um, I think one of the ways that we struggle in our faith uh, is, it has to do with events and tragedies in terms of when things happen that are uh, terrible, horrific, and we, we ask the eternal question, right? Why? God, why? Why would you let that happen? Why would you create a world in which that could even be a possibility? Why that earthquake? Why that flood? Why that disease? Why COVID-19? If you're so good, God, how could that happen? Now, we, get, we sometimes get angry. We want to shake our fist at God. Well, believe me, there's precedent for that. Just read lots parts of the Old Testament. Plenty of times in the Psalms, uh, some of the prophets, others, were like, God, what is going on? Why is this happening? I'm angry with you. God would probably say, that's all fine. It's, it's when we say, I'm done. I give up. I can't try anymore. That's, that's when we especially need to persevere, to endure, to keep trying. When I, I, was, I had to be out of town this past week, and I was driving back into town on Friday. I'm going to get back Friday afternoon, and 
my plan was to get back early enough in the afternoon that I would miss the worst of the traffic. Well, apparently I didn't. There must have been a memo that everybody get out on the highway Friday afternoon. It was terrible all the way across the Metroplex. Uh, and and, I'm, and I'm, in, I'm kind of an impatient driver anyway. Um, I'll just admit it. I just admitted it online. I'm, I'm an impatient driver. And so, uh, I, you know, and you can be sailing along. It can be a lot of cars, but if you're moving at a good rate of speed, I, I'm okay. And then it starts slowing down, right? You start seeing all the red taillights in front. You're hitting your brakes. And you're like, and you're kind of, you know, I'm scooching over, looking ahead. What? There's nothing up there. There's no flashing lights. There's no, why are we slowing down? And I'm getting angry, right? And so I just kind of grouse for, you know, a couple of miles. And then speed starts picking back up. And everybody starts going a little faster. Before long, you're back up to 75. And you're like, Why? Right? Why? Now, I knew I was going to come up across a point where I was going to cross uh, I-35, and I knew that there was significant construction going on there. I mean, like, all the normal lanes are shut down. They've down to two lanes, and you have to go off, and you come back on. I knew that. And so when traffic started slowing down, ahead of that, I was like, okay, because there's construction. I understand that. Right? How, how easy it is when we understand the purpose of something, we're like, okay, I can do this. It's when we don't understand what's going on, we get so angry and we're like, God, why? Well, Jesus obviously knew the reason why he had to endure the cross and endure the shame attached to the cross. But I think the Bible also teaches, and Jesus also teaches, that there are those times that we won't understand. And that especially is the time to endure to keep going, not give, not give up your faith, but continue to trust God. So I think, so events, tragedies, I think that's one kind of arena where we struggle with our faith. I think another arena can be in relationships, and I mean in any kind of relationship, uh, whether it's a couple who are married or whether it's a large family or whether it's people who work together. I mean, it could be any kinds of relationships of people being around people. And the difficulty is, is that sometimes we begin to value being right more importantly than being loving. Now, I'm talking about people of Christian faith. I'm talking about people of Christian faith. People without Christian faith, they're going to behave the way they behave. I can't control that. But in terms of people of Christian faith, we're taught pretty explicitly over and over and over in the Bible, we will be a people who love. And not just people that agree with us, even those who don't agree with us. But of course, our, our culture now anymore is pretty much, I'm right, you're wrong, and I don't want anything to do with you. And we put up these walls and barriers because, well, you're a... You know, we start throwing out names, right? We start throwing out names. Well, you're just a right-wing, you know, whatever. Well, you're just a, you're just a socialist. Well, you're just... And we throw these walls up. So we're basically saying, nope, I'm not going to have anything to do with you because my being right is more important than you are. No. Having differences of opinion is a part of life, friends. There's no, that's not a problem. There's not a problem even getting angry sometimes. Jesus got angry. Yes, he tossed over the tables in the market. That's right. The one time that we know he did that. But Jesus also hung out with people who didn't agree with him. He went to those dinner parties with those people who were doing things that he, he was pretty clear. What they're doing is not right. But you know what? I'm going to be with them 
You may have a chance to have some conversation with them. In relationships, it's important to remember that being right does not overcome being loving. Because we exhibit our faith in our relationships. So, events, tragedies, relationships, how do we endure in that? I mean, I mean what's, what's really involved with that? Um, Scott Peck wrote a book a number of years ago called The Road Less Traveled. Some of you might have read it. Really great stuff in that book. One of the topics he picks up in that book is uh, original sin. You know, we think of original sin as the time that Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and the, and the serpent comes over and says, 